Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the very back of the Bible to the small little book of 2 John. The book of 2 John, which is of course found at the very end of the Word of God. You have the book of Revelation at the very last. You keep turning over the, to <coughs> the left. You come to the book of Jude, the book of 3 John, and the book of 2 John. So right at the very end of the Word of God. And as we come to a very special message, we want to try to be an encouragement to the families, to the homes, and especially to mothers, as we could see this very important instruction written by the Apostle John to be an encouragement and to be a practical help to a specific lady found within the church. So if you don't mind, to take your word of God and allowing you to find it, I love it when people can read the Bible for themselves. By the way, that will be important later on in this message. Look with me in the book of 2 John. The book of 2 John. And notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of 2 John in verse number 1. The book of 2 John, only one chapter. Let's look starting at verse number 1. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwell in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love." I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And behold, I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye shall walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thine elect sister greet thee. Amen. 
And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 John? The book of 2 John, and notice with me in verse number 4. The book of 2 John in verse number 4, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse number 4, the first phrase, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. A God that we could trust, that we could depend upon, that we could lean upon. I'm asking now that you would give grace beyond measure, that you would fill this place with your spirit, and that you would draw hearts. Lord, I'm praying as we go through this message that I'm as clear as I possibly can. Lord, I know that with my human words, I can fail. But with your Holy Spirit, that you could give utterance, that you could give understanding, that you could speak to hearts, and that you could get the principles that are found in this wonderful book, that you would get them across and put them in a practical way that we can be a help to these good folks and that they could carry these principles, that they could reach and receive a full reward. Lord, I'm asking that you would be a help beyond measure with your precious Holy Spirit, that you would do a wonderful work. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Well, as John the Apostle, he's writing this letter probably from Ephesus, where he had previously been the pastor. And he had heard of a sweet lady who loved people, who wanted to do what was right, who wanted to try to uh, be a blessing to everyone that came in. But unfortunately, she had been assisting someone who was actually teaching false doctrine. And this lady was also not understanding how her helping this preacher, this man with a false doctrine, how it was actually hurting the cause of Christ. She didn't understand what was going on, so we wrote this book to try to help her out, to try to give her an explanation, to try to understand that her actions here, even though it's done out of innocence and it's done with good intentions, is actually doing harm. So he writes this small little book to try to encourage her, to try to help to her. Now this lady was a highly respected lady inside of Christian circles. Many people knew her. This is why it doesn't mention her name in the letter here. It's not trying to embarrass her, but it is trying to address something that was very important and very and something in this time that was very necessary to be addressed. But this, even though it was dressed to a single individual, it has great applications to us as Christians and to the Christian church today so that way we could receive, as the Bible says here, that we could receive a full reward. Now, if we start talking about rewards, we understand we're talking about something that's going to be eternal. This message here is going to mention something that's very eternal. Now, of course, we're also moving this to a Mother's Day message to the idea that it's talking to this lady that I rejoice greatly that thy children walk in truth. There is something about watching people that we've influenced, whether it's our own children or people around us that we influence, and to watch them to walk in truth. To walk in such a way that they are pleasing to God. That they're walking in such a way that it is an encouragement to their mother. To walk in such a way that the society, the people around them have a respect for them. Now, if I rejoice greatly to see thy children walk in truth, what is a big heartbreak for a mother? To watch her children 
not walk in truth. So what we're talking about has eternal ramifications on so many levels. Here, if he is talking about her children walking in truth, and you're going to notice that word truth is mentioned so many times. In fact, all throughout the Apostle John's writings, the book of 1 John, guess what it's dealing with? It's dealing with a matter of truth. And the book of 2 John, what is it dealing with? The matter of truth. And the book of 3 John, what is it dealing with? The matter of truth. This is going to be a key thing that's going to have ramifications. And so as he places an emphasis on the truth, and as he starts trying to help this dear sweet lady to try to walk in truth so she can continue to be the influence that she ought to be, we also can take warnings from John's warning so that way we can see our children and the people that we have influence over also walk in truth. That we could have that joy that they're doing what's right. So with that, let's go ahead and address the book of 2 John. The first thing I'd like to bring to your attention here is living in truth and love. Living in truth and love. Notice if you don't mind as we start in verse number 1. The elder, speaking about John the beloved, the elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. Now as John started, he makes it clear that he loved her in the truth. Meaning he's not saying anything untoward. He's not saying anything out of sorts. He's saying, I love you in truth. I love you because of truth. That because you love the truth and I love the truth, we can have a love one towards another. There's a common bond that every Christian has and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that we see in the book of Ephesus, you could read it for yourself later in chapter number three, but it talks about the mystery of the church. What is the mystery of the church? That people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, from different ages, different respects, people who would never hang out with each other. May I take an example? I'm a nerd. I'm also, because of that, there are certain things that you may not be able to associate with because I'm a nerd. Some people ask me, what do you do for fun? I have people ask me that all the time. What do you do for fun? I study and I read. That may not be your idea of fun. That may not be your idea of relaxation. I'm also at a different age bracket than a lot of you. Some are older, some are younger. Because of that, some of our things are not aligned. I'm from the great state of Texas. Some of you may not be able to associate with that. You might like Wisconsin and you like to put macaroni or spaghetti or whatever you do in your chili and, and pollute the thing. And so there, there's no bond on that. But you know what? Even though we may come from different backgrounds, different things, we have the common bond of Jesus Christ. And we who once cursed God can assemble together and worship to God in a common point because of the truth the truth of Jesus Christ. And so as John is talking to her, he's saying, I love you because of truth. I love you in truth. Because we have the common bond of the gospel, the common bond of Jesus Christ, the common bond of the truth, there is a love that we have one towards another. You are my sister in Christ. You are my fellow heir in Christ. I love you because of the bond that we have. And I want the best for you because I love you. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth. 
By the way, not I only, but all they that have known the truth. He says, I'm not the only one. There are people who love the truth, and because you love the truth, they love you too. By the way, that should be a common theme found within churches, that we love one another, not unseemly way, not in an untoward way, but we love each other because of the truth and the bond that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice as he goes on, he's letting him know from the very beginning how important it is that everything is done is based in truth. And you're going to find this woven in through here, that the basis of our fellowship, why is the base of our fellowship? It's not because you're a nerd like me. It's not because we're the same age bracket. It's not because we have the same hobbies. It's because of the truth that we have based our fellowship on, our friendship on. The only reason why you would even be around me for most of you is because of the truth of Jesus Christ. This is the foundation that we now build our fellowship, our friendship, and our togetherness with because of the foundation of the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice as it goes on in verse number two, for truth's sake, for the sake of the truth, for truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, notice this, and shall be with us forever. Oh, that's a wonderful thing about the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ is that it can never be changed. It will never be modified. It can never expire and it will never need updating. That because of the truth, we have a foundation that is stable and it is clear, that is unchanging and that we can have fellowship with people who are Christians who are from China that are from Egypt, that are from Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. We can have fellowship with them because of the common bond of the truth. And it's because of the truth that we can have common bond with people who lived in the 1800s. There's a bond that we can have, a kinship that we have because of the truth. That truth never changes, never expires, never needs modified, never needs updated. We can have for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us. We could build off of this. Once again, notice he is saying for the truth's sake. We can have fellowship because of the truth. He is putting a foundation on truth. Notice in verse number three. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace. From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ the Son in truth and love. Notice the word truth again. We have grace, mercy, and peace. Why? Because of the truth and love that we have found in Jesus Christ. Because we have the truth of the gospel. The truth that we have accepted that Jesus loved us and that he died for us. He paid our price that we deserved hell and he paid our price. And I came to the place where I personally accepted him to be my savior. I have a truth of the gospel that I've accepted. And because of this gospel, because of the truth that I accepted, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, I also have, because I have truth, I have grace. Because I have the truth, I have mercy. Because I have the truth, I have peace. Those are all byproducts of the truth. Now again, he is building a foundation. He is trying to say this is an important foundation of the truth. Because if we don't have this foundation, everything falls apart. We must have things based 
off the truth. Now stay with me as we build this foundation some more. Notice in verse 4. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. By the way, what is the truth that is being referred to? The truth of Jesus Christ. I have no greater joy than to watch your children walking in truth. They're following after Christ because of the truth. That they've accepted the truth for themselves. And now they're following after Christ. They're walking in that same truth. I have no greater joy as a parent, as a pastor, as a discipler, than to watch the people that we've influenced walking after the Lord Jesus Christ. They're walking in truth. Now again, this is building a great foundation that modern day Christendom has misdefined. We have to make sure that we're defining it correctly. That it's all based upon the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have no greater joy than to watch my children, the people that I've influenced, the people that I've helped, walking in truth. And if they're not following after Christ, what a broken heartedness that is. Let me tell you, As a pastor, there is no bigger heartbreak than to watch someone not walking in truth. To watch them go to self-destruction and not making that truth. That's a heartbreak. There's no greater heartbreak than to watch someone who you know that was once following the truth but has decided not to. There's no greater heartbreak than a parent to see a child not following after Christ. And to know the heartbreak that that child is going to face. And then worst of all that they're going to stand before a holy mighty God. And be accountable for them not walking in truth. We understand there's a lot that goes with it. Notice in verse 4 again. I rejoice greatly when I found of thy children walking in truth. As we have received a commandment from the father. Alright. So we received a commandment. A specific commandment. That we are supposed to follow after uh, that God has given to us. He's going to give us a definition here. But let me tell you, John was saying, I I love it when I could go into a home and the children are a reflection of the truth that was instilled in them. The truth that was following after him. A reflection of believing parents. Notice in verse 5. Now I beseech thee, lady, Not as though I wrote a new commandment. Now, in verse 4, he talked about we received a commandment from the Father. Now he's repeating, hey, we didn't receive a new commandment. I'm not telling you something new. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but in that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now notice it goes on. Some people would like to put a pyramid period there and say our job is to love one another well if you go with that definition without being defined without being clear we get a wrong definition of love remember what is the whole thing about here this lady because she saw someone who said they loved God they wanted to teach people the Bible but they were teaching in truth She says, well, I'm still going to allow him to stay in my place. Now, remember, at this time, they didn't have a plethora of hotels. So when a traveling preacher or a missionary or something would come by, the people of the church would open up their house and try to be a help to him. Well, here's a man who is known not to teach the truth. And as he came by, she goes, why don't you stay at my place? 
Well, she's being loving, isn't she? Isn't she being loving? She's caring? We have to define our terms. What does it mean? Does the idea that we love people mean that we accept whatever they do? Let's see what the Bible has to say. Notice with me in verse number six. And this is love. All right, we're going to have a definition. What is love? That we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, you shall walk in it. What is it? The truth. The truth. Remember, the truth is the basis of all of our fellowship. The truth is what we have fellowship with each other on. It is the basis of everything. And so if I am to love people, I am to love people based off of the truth. And if they don't have the truth, I need to be careful about how I deal with people. You understand, today's world has redefine and change this around. And they say the basis of our fellowship is not truth, it's love. I'm supposed to love you. You do whatever you want. It's fine. I love you. Oh, you know what? You want to go ahead and do that? You don't want to believe the Bible? That's fine. I love you. That's not love at all. Love is based off of truth. Now, I told you at the beginning that we have to pray for discernment on these things because this is, goes in the face of everything that is taught in modern Christianity. The basis of love is based off the foundation of truth. Now, let me put a little asterisk and say, this doesn't give us permission to be hateful. But this does say that our basis of fellowship is based off of truth. And my basis of loving and serving others is also based off of truth. The truth of who Jesus Christ is. People are deceived with this thinking today. Again, the Bible here clarifies it. This is love. What is love? That we walk after his commandments. The basis of truth. The foundation of truth. That Jesus said we love him if we keep his commandments. How do we prove our love for Christ? If we obey God. Now again, because people have the wrong definition of love. This is what they say. I love Jesus. Well, you're going to show up to church? No, I don't have to. Then they don't love the Lord. Because they're not willing to obey his commandment. Someone who says, I love Jesus. Well, are you reading your Bible? No. Nope then let me tell you, according to the Bible, you don't know what love is. Love is based off of truth. This is why it talks about in the Bible. It actually gives very clear definitions. If a parent refuses to discipline their child, they don't love them. You say, but I do love them. I have a feeling. No, no, no. Because love is based off of truth truth. It's getting quiet in here. Truth. You understand the way that we reflect love has to have a foundation. And the foundation is truth. The foundation is truth. Notice <laughs> as a reminder this is an epistle of love. The word love appears seven times in this small epistle. You cannot separate love from 
truth. All throughout the gospel record of John, the word love is found 36 times. In the gospel record of John, you also find the word truth found all alongside it. As you come to the book of 1 John, the book of 1 John is written because people are having the wrong doctrine of Jesus Christ. But yet you'll find the word love all throughout the book of 1 John, even as he's saying we have to base things off of truth. The book of 2 John, again, we're covering it now. The book of 3 John, what is it about? Well, you have the one man who wants the preeminence, everyone to look at me. And he doesn't have the truth, but it is a book about love. You cannot separate love from truth, which today, the modern definition of love discounts truth. Now, Again, I'm not saying it gives us permission to be hateful. We are to help influence people. We are to love them. What does that mean? It means I am to influence them so they can come to the knowledge of truth. Does that make sense? It is all based off of truth. Because of Jesus Christ did something in my life, I am now reaching out to you because I want you to know the same love that was known in me. The basis is truth. The basis is truth. If truth is not present, it cannot be biblical love. We have to understand this. Now, this redefines everything most of us have been taught about love. It flies in the face everything Hollywood promotes about love. It changes everything what American Christianity promotes about love. Love must be based off of truth. Now, just to show that this isn't just here, let me show you another place where it mentions this. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 13. The book of Romans chapter 13. Now, remember, the, the book of 2 John is written by John the Beloved, the one who followed Jesus Christ, one of the twelve. The book of Romans is not written by John. It is written by the Apostle Paul. And so here is a different author who once again is giving a definition Notice this in Romans 13. We're going to look at two verses. Notice in verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. All right, so here's Paul. He's saying we're supposed to owe uh, no man. Meaning that we're not supposed to get debts and say, uh, you owe me things, I owe you things. We're not going to keep a tally. Because true friendship doesn't keep track of that. I love them. I'm glad to help them out if they have a need. And with the expectation, maybe they'll help me out when we have a need because there's a love. There's no owing. There's no keeping tallies. All right, so that sounds great. We're to love one another. But notice once again, verse number 10, it defines our terms. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now remember the law here is referring to the idea of the Bible. Love is the fulfillment of the Bible. Love is the fulfillment of truth. Because I have truth, truth is the foundation, love is the application. Because I have truth, I now love. Notice again, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. The people that the lady had staying in her house did not love her. Because they were doing her harm. 
We're going to get that into a second. They were doing harm to her testimony, doing harm to her reputation, doing harm to her belief system as they were trying to teach her things that were not true. They were doing harm to her. And so because of that, we have to be careful with that. They didn't love her, that they needed to have a basis of truth. Then she could aptly help her. The false teachers were doing ill to the neighbor. They were taking advantage of this neighbor, or this lady, and her generous spirit, possibly doing even more to subvert the truth. Notice again, Paul now says it again. Notice in Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. And notice what it says in Romans 16, starting at verse 17. Romans 16 and verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine that you have learned and avoid them. Notice this. I beg you, I beg you, strongly beg, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. What is this? If they go against the truth, you mark them. You mark them. What is the idea of mark? It means to put an X on them, to say that is someone who does not have the truth. You say, but that's not loving to say that person's telling a lie. Okay, well, let's go with that. Let's say that there's somewhere in Green Bay that they have poison in their food. The food inspectors have come. They haven't shut them down, but there's poison in the food. They've tested it out, and, and it's harmful to go. But because I'm loving, I'm not going to tell you what restaurant it is. You understand? That doesn't work out. Because I love you, I should warn you that there's poison over there. If you go there, it's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. I need to tell you the truth. My love for you is based off of truth. The Bible says to mark them that are not walking in truth, that are contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Verse 18, for they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. By good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. You see, they sound good. Every deceiver has to. If they're going to sell a lie, they have to be very good at trying to sell something that does not make sense or something that's against the Bible. And for a lot of people, they may not have discernment that that guy over there is telling falsehoods. I'm marking him and telling him, don't be deceived. He's going to hurt you. By the way, this is why I hate internet preaching. I know we're preaching on the internet now. But you know, so many people, so many people have falsehoods. Without a doubt, anything that I say from the pulpit here, you could find another YouTube video that says the opposite of what I said. Without a doubt. And it happens. You understand? There are preachers out there that are on the internet, that are on the radio, that will hurt you. I don't mind calling them out. I may do them from time to time. It's not the purpose of here. I'm trying to tell you that there is a lot of people that will hurt you. Part of my job as a shepherd is to point out that will hurt you. If you listen to that preacher, it's going to harm you. Here's some good preachers that you can listen to that will be a help. The people that we bring in here are made and brought in to be a help 
But there are people we cannot bring in here because they will hurt you. There are people we cannot promote. Even if they're doing good things, notice it says they have good words. The words that they're saying are not evil. They're just wrong. They're good words. They may help someone slightly. But in the long run, they'll help them. Why? Because it's not based off of truth. So even Paul is saying, mark them. Identify them. Stay away from them. Because of truth. But you say... But you don't understand how loving they are. This guy gives millions of dollars to help people. Praise the Lord. We're not saying that he doesn't do good things. We're just saying we have the basis of truth. And he's not based off of truth. You understand most of the people out there who are teaching wrong doctrine are not evil people. Meaning that they're not capturing little kids and torturing them in basements. They're not robbing banks. But they do not have truth. And that absence of truth will harm others who follow them. So all of this was leading up to this idea of to live in truth and love. Now we come to a second thing as we turn back to the book of 2 John. Notice if you don't mind in the book of 2 John. We, as he instructs her, he wants her and her children to walk in truth. And so he has to warn them. All right, there are people out there who are not walking in truth. The basis of our fellowship is truth. The next question is, how do you identify them? The second thing I want to show you is learning to detect false teachers. How can you detect a false preacher? Do you need a pastor to always say this is wrong, this is right? Well, you understand you can learn how to detect false teachers for yourself. How do you do that? Well, find with me in the book of 2 John. Notice with me in verse number 7. For many deceivers, mark that word many. You know why there's Mark uh, says there are many? Because there's many. There are a lot of them. And by the way, this has increased more in latter days than what was even in John's day. There are many deceivers who are entered to the world. Notice this. What is the truth based off of? Who confess not Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. What is the doctrine of truth? The doctrine of Jesus Christ. What do you do with Jesus? You understand all religions must answer the question. What do we do with Jesus? So if you want to find the heart of a matter. You find out what do they do with Jesus? Is it the Jesus of the Bible? Let me show you this. For many deceivers are into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Mark the word antichrist. Some people identify that prefix anti and they define it as against. There are many people who are against Christ. Whereas that is true, the word anti carries the idea not just only against, it carries the idea to replace. There are many deceivers out there that are trying to give you a different Jesus than the different of the Bible. They are replacing your Jesus with a different Jesus. You know, if someone came in the back and walked in this back door and made an announcement, Jesus is a lie! We'd all chase him out. Right? 
Rightfully so. But if you had someone in here that says, you know, I believe in Jesus, but let me tell you about my Jesus. And he tells it in such a way that it sounds good, but it's not biblical. That is an antichrist. That is the spirit of antichrist. He's trying to give you a different Jesus than the different of the, than the Jesus of the Bible. This is why you need to know the Bible for yourself. Because there are many deceivers out there. Hollywood has no clue about Jesus. If your idea of Jesus is based off of a Hollywood movie, you probably have the wrong view of Jesus. There's not a single Jesus movie out there. You say the passion of Christ? Oh, it's pro-Catholic. There is a lot of false doctrine in there trying to teach you about the Catholic Jesus. You say, what's wrong with the Catholic Jesus? The Catholic Jesus says that Jesus' blood is not enough. That you have to do this and do this. In fact, they have seven sacraments, seven things that you have to do in order to be saved. In addition to what Jesus did. They're saying that Jesus' blood was not enough. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. What about the people out there that say, well, you know, you can lose your salvation. What they're saying is that they have a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. What they're doing is saying that Jesus' blood was not enough to keep us saved. That we have to help Jesus along. Let me tell you, Jesus is enough. You understand, as we start looking at all religions, even the Christian religions, you have to go off this doctrine. What do they do with Jesus? You take the Mormon Jesus the Mormons say that if you become a good enough Mormon, that one day you'll become the God of your own universe. And your wife will be, give birth to spirit babies for all eternity. My wife doesn't want to go. And then as you're the ruler of your own planet, a brand new Jesus will come and die for those people of the planet you rule over. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. What about the Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, they say that Jesus is the first of creation, meaning that God created him first. He is not God. He is the first creation of God. And by the way, he's also the brother of Lucifer. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. You understand there's a lot of false out there. You take the Jesus of the gospel song, that if you listen to enough Southern gospel music, nine out of 10 songs are talking about heaven. And they give you a false view that everyone's going to heaven. And that's not true. You understand there is a lot of deception. And where do we find out whether it's true or not? What do they say about Jesus? This is the basis of truth. This is the basis of the gospel that you've accepted and I accepted. This is the basis of fellowship. What do we see about Jesus? And the Jesus that is being sold by religion is not the Jesus of the Bible. But yet so many people are deceived because they say, oh, it's Jesus. You have the Jesus of the contemporary songs. Me and JC hanging out. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is God. And that I should have reverence for him and respect to him at all time. And I understand he's a friend that's that sticking closer to the brother. But he has never stopped being holy and righteous. And he's never stopped being God in my authority. Amen. You understand? Everything we look at. And the more religious our world is, the more that there are many deceivers in this world that are trying to replace the Jesus of the Bible with the Jesus of their thoughts. The Jesus of their mind. The Jesus of their theories. So what we have to do is that we have to be 
aware. We have to be discerning. We have to understand what is going on. Notice if you don't mind. As we see this idea of antichrist. Notice we have the word deceivers in verse 7. This is a deceiver. The word deceiver here carries the idea of an imposter. He's an imposter. He's a liar. He is coming here to sell you a different Jesus. He is not telling you the truth. He is impostering. Notice another word in here that we see the word confess. There are many deceivers who enter to the world who confess not. The word confess carries the idea to agree or to admit. What are they not confessing? They will not admit. They will not confess who Jesus Christ really is. They will not accept the Jesus of the Bible. By the way, the Jesus of the Bible is the one who's going to judge all humanity. This is the Jesus of the Bible who one day you're going to stand before and give an account. People don't like that Jesus of the Bible. They want the Jesus of the Bible who turns a blind eye and says, it's all right, you do what you want. But the Jesus of the Bible is the one who's going to judge us. What do they do with Jesus? Now remember, he's trying, Apostle John is trying to help this sweet lady because he wants her to continue to walk in truth and he wants her, this kids, and the people she influences to walk in truth. So therefore, he has to teach her how to have discernment. What do they do about Jesus? Now by the way, if you're not reading the Bible for yourself, you can be easily deceived. You said, well, I read the Bible for once If you're not continually in the Bible, you can be easily deceived. This is why the greatest thing a Christian can do on a daily basis is to be in the Word of God for themselves. With the purpose that you're reading the Bible to learn more about Jesus. Because if you know Jesus, you cannot be fooled. They tell us in the treasury system, when they have fake $100 bills, that the way that the people are taught to identify frauds is not by studying the frauds but by studying the genuine article. And they study it. They know every line, every crevice. And if you know everything about the original, you could spot a fake. This is why as Christians, we don't have to take courses on what this religion believes and what this believes and what these people believe. You spend time studying Jesus. And if you know the Jesus of the Bible, you could spot a fake. You could see the counterfeit. You could see where they're trying to replace it. This is why you have to be in the Bible for yourself. Trying to replace the truth of Jesus with our own idea. Notice in verse 4. Look to yourselves. That word look to yourselves is a warning. It is an explanation. It is a shout. Watch out. Look to yourselves. That we lose not those things which we have wrought. But we receive a full reward. Notice look to yourselves. You know. The Apostle Paul gave that same warning to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 where he says, After my departing, there shall come in among yourselves grievous wolves. Notice that. There shall come in among yourselves grievous wolves, sparing not the flock. How would you identify a wolf? What do they do with Jesus? How do they identify Jesus? But Paul was trying to warn them, watch out. This is going to come. It will happen. It's not it might happen. It is currently present tense. We are living in the spirit of Antichrist. Not the spirit that's against Christ. The spirit that's trying to replace the Jesus of the Bible. Verse number 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ... 
hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Notice this. We are to test everyone based off of what? The doctrine of Christ. That is me. If for some reason I go crazy and I say, guess what? I've learned a new doctrine. That this is what the Bible says about Jesus. Let me forget what the Bible says. You do what I say and I tell you what Jesus is. And I teach you Jesus other than the Bible. You are to judge me based off of what the Bible said. If I'm teaching a wrong Jesus. And throw me off of my head if I start teaching something that's wrong with uh, that's against Jesus, that's replacing the Jesus of the Bible. Every missionary, every pastor, every evangelist, every guest speaker, every person that comes, we must evaluate them off the truth. The truth is the basis of everything. Now again, this message flies in the face of everything you hear on Christian radio. This flies in the face against every other message that is being preached in churches across America right now. Because they like to emphasize love, but not the truth. And they have the false definition. And people are being harmed. And God takes it seriously. You know, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, that the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They warned them that this is the spirit of the age. Notice this. Verse number 10. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine. What doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. Who is the Jesus of the Bible? The foundation of truth. If there come unto you and bring not this doctrine. Receive him not into your house. Notice, there's, we're going to, supposed to be so careful and so distant from false doctrine. We're not even a, supposed to allow them to come into our house. Practical application. Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door. Can we come in and tell you more about our Jehovah? No. But that's not loving. No. Because they're coming to try to deceive you. And tell you something different about Jesus. We have to be careful. You can't allow them in your house. Notice how far it says to go. If there come none unto you that bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house, neither bid him God speed. That word God speed is our equivalent of God bless you. You're not even supposed to tell them as they're walking out the door, God bless you. You say, that's rough. Well, notice what the Bible says, verse 11. For he that biddeth him Godspeed or God bless you is partaker of his evil deeds. Now, let's go back to the context. Here is a sweet lady who was taught, I'm supposed to love everyone. I love everyone. They call themselves a Christian. I want to help them out. But he is a known false teacher. And she knew it, but she wants to help him out. Maybe I could help him out just a bit. And so she allows him to stay in her house. First, she opens herself up to be taught false doctrine because a false teacher is going to come in. What is he going to do? He wants to tell him his false doctrine. He's going to try to convince her. But more important than that, her reputation. You've been hanging out with those people teaching false doctrine. Her reputation's now in question. God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Now again, I know this isn't popular and this flies against the face, but God says don't even say God bless them. 
You say, how serious is God in this? This sounds like minor stuff. Notice with me verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Do you know that you could actually lose rewards by helping and participating someone, condoning someone who teaches false doctrine? Think about this. This will affect you for all eternity. May I give you an example? I'm going to call a name out. Reverend Billy Graham. By the way, he legitimately saw millions of people come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. I am thankful for what he did. Unfortunately, some of the other things that he did made him lose, when he faces God, some of his rewards. What did he do? Well, he started to have campaigns and he began to allow anyone to work the altar. So they would have Catholic folks who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior working the altar to allow people to, um, to um, uh, lead people to the Lord. He started to allow Mormons to sit on the platform with him and preach messages at his crusades. They do not know the Bible. He even got buddy-buddy with uh, uh, Pope um, John Paul II and had a council meeting to bring all the religions together as one. And it's not based off of truth. Now, I appreciate Dr. Billy Graham, Mr. Billy Graham, for all the gospel that he preached, and legitimately people are in heaven because of it. I'm not discounting that. But when people would say, I was a Catholic and I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, he wrote a letter to Billy Graham in Decision Magazine, where should I go to church now? I don't feel like I could go back to the Catholic church because now I know the truth. He says, you know what? Go back to the Catholic church. You'll be fine. Knowing that they were not received the truth there. I'm calling a name out because he's well known, but I'm trying to say as many peoples he came to know Christ as a savior. Verse eight, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought but that we receive a full reward. I'm not saying Billy Graham's not in heaven. He is in heaven if he accepted Jesus Christ as a savior, but he's losing out on full rewards that he could have had because he put himself at a place where he could influence others to believe lies. He may have believed the truth. He believed in the truth. He believed in the Bible. He believed (laughs) all the way up to the end of his life uh, that people could get saved. But then when he started to influence and say, guess what? You could go to the Catholics, it's fine. You go ahead and listen to the Mormons, they're fine. You, when he started endorsing people that had a different Jesus than the B, Jesus of the truth, he violated this passage here. You understand this is an important thing to God because God would rather have people have no hope than a false hope. You say, What? God would rather have no hope than false hope. Why? Because if they have no hope, they're willing to grab the truth. If they have a false hope, they're going to cling to it the best they can. May I give an example? I was working in a laboratory for a while and influencing um, co-workers. And I had a lady I started working with and started to witness to. And over a course of a couple months, she finally came to me and said, uh, as we were talking about the gospel, just in tears. And she says... I believe what you said is true, and I believe what you said is from the Bible, but I cannot believe it. I said, why not? She goes, because my son, he died a couple years ago. He was only 15, and I'm a Mormon, and we believe in baptism for the dead. 
And so in order to make sure that he got to heaven, we had many people lined up and they were baptized on his behalf so that way he could get to heaven and not stay in hell and purgatory. She goes, if I believe what you say, I also have to acknowledge that my son is in hell now and I don't want to believe that. You understand, she had a false hope. And she knew it was false hope, but she wouldn't let go of it because it was the only thing she had, even though she saw the other hope over there and knew it was real. This is how important it is to have truth. This is why Satan is doing everything he can to deceive people. Because if he can have them grab a false hope, if he can make it so people don't have to trust in Jesus, or they give their credence not to believe in Jesus, it could do damage to people's souls. God takes this very, very seriously, even to the point where he puts a prohibition that we're not even supposed to say, God bless you, to someone who is not teaching the truth. This is a big deal, and it goes in the face of everything. You say, some Mother's Day message, I'm trying to help you here, because I have no greater joy than to watch my children walk in truth. This is where the fight is, the idea of truth. This is the basis of our love for one another, is based off of truth, not just love, period, but it is based off of truth. We finish this up where he was looking for a visit. He says in verse 12, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. But I trust to come to you and speak to you face to face that your joy may be full, that our joy may be full. He says, I, I took care of what I needed to take care of. I got some other things I want to encourage you. I don't want to leave on a bad note. I want to let you know that I can't wait to see you. You've been a blessing to me. I want, can't wait to catch up. And we're going to fellowship off of truth. He's trying to end it on a good note and trying to say, you know what, we're going to have a good time when we meet. I'm not mad at you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to protect you. I'm not yelling because you let the guy stay. I know that you did it because you were trying to love on him, but I'm trying to say that if you're going to love on someone properly, it has to be based off of truth. And I'm trying to protect your testimony. And I'm trying to protect you not to be deceived. And I'm trying to protect your kids. And I'm trying to let you know I love you. And I look forward to seeing you again. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to help. By the way, I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to be an encouragement. I have to point out error, but it's because I love you. I have to say this is the truth and we have to follow it. Verse 13, the children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. He says, don't worry. Others are looking for you. We love you. Now, in great days of apostasy, truth is the test of fellowship. The basis of our fellowship is truth. By the way, this is one we believe in our distinctives of ecclesiastical separation. There may be other churches that are doing good things, but we cannot yoke up with them. We cannot partner with them. We cannot join with them because of the absence of truth, because they're not teaching the right truth. It's not, and because of that, we get yelled at. We're isolationist, we're elitist, we're whatever else. We're not trying to be. We're all for everyone getting saved. But there are certain things we cannot participate in because it's not based off of the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. You understand this is so important. And we're trying to give understanding because there are many deceivers out there. And including the deception of a false view of love. Again, we're not saying you have permission to be hateful. That's the opposite of what we're saying. We're saying we love each other in truth with the purpose that we're trying to help people follow after Christ. And if there's anything that would hinder us from pointing people to Christ, we need to mark it, need to stay away from it because it is the truth that matters the most. The truth of who Jesus Christ is. 
I rejoice greatly that I found thy children walking in truth. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.